The Water Values Podcast, Session 102. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resource, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGinnis. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, I'm Dave McGimsey and thanks for joining me. Really appreciate you uh, tuning in for this special episode. This is uh, episode 102. Uh, it was actually intended to be episode 100, and, episode 100 uh, but given some scheduling conflicts, we weren't able to get it in. And today, Matt Klein returns. If you recall, Matt, Matt was the very first interview released on the Water Values Podcast with episode TWV number 001. Um, but Matt returns. Uh, and, you know, back in, uh, when we recorded that, it was probably January or February of 2014. And Matt was with the Indiana Office of Utility Consumer Counselor. He has since moved on, uh, and he is now the president of Utilities, Inc.'s North Carolina and Tennessee division, uh, and doing a great job, uh, down in that region. So Matt, Matt comes on. And uh, he's going to pepper me with questions, put me on the hot seat. Hopefully you, uh, you enjoy, uh, you know, Matt kind of turning the tables on me a little here. Um, but before we get into the interview, uh, I'd like to ask two favors. If you've been enjoying the show, first favor, rate and review the, iTunes, the uh, podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, whatever podcast directory you're listening on. That'd really be appreciated. It just helps others find the show you know, get gets some good momentum going for the show as well. A second favor is also, if you've been enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a donation. Uh, any denomination will do. Just go to the website, thewatervalues.com, uh, and you can click on the donate button that's kind of on the right side there. If you scroll down a little bit, uh, we'll accept any denomination. That little button will take you to the PayPal site. You can, you can make uh, your donation, and it would be, again, greatly appreciated. It all goes to a good cause, defraying the expense of bringing this content to you, of the Water Values podcast. One other thing really quickly before uh, we get into Matt's interview of me, and that is uh, I just want to say thanks to everyone who connected with me and let me know they were going to be in San Diego for the P3 Water Summit. Uh, it was great to meet meet some of you face-to-face, uh, put a name with a face, um, and Kevin, I really appreciate uh, the kind of the impromptu uh, Rockies Padres game we went to. So that was a, that was a lot of fun talking some water, watching baseball, um, just good times out there. So thank you so much. Um, and with that, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Good day. This is Matthew Klein, your special host for the special anniversary edition of the Water Values Podcast. Today, our special guest is David McGimsey, who's a partner at, with Bingham Greenbaum Dahl Attorneys and uh, the creator and uh, leader of the Water Values Podcast. We're glad to have you with us today. David, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks for coming on and, and kind of guest hosting. Well, I think it's important that we turn the tables on you and ask <laughs> you some questions, given uh, all the things that you've been doing, your travels, uh, all the conferences you've been at, the panels you've moderated, the people you've talked to, and the lessons you've learned, and where you see water going in the future. 
So we're going to ask you some questions today and, and put you to the test. Very good. I'm ready. So <laughs> I, uh, I want to know, know, Dave, what, what originally caused you to create the Water Values podcast? Uh, well, before I, before I get into that response, I just want to say that uh, this is not just me, right? This is, this is a whole bunch of people who have helped get us to this point. Um, you know, you, you were obviously the very first interview released. So I, I thank you for coming back on and, 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 you know, agreeing to kind of be involved in that little experiment that, that when I started it, because uh, when you're first getting something off the ground, uh, sometimes people kind of look at you and say, ah, I'm just going to wait a little bit. So I, I really, I, I need to thank a lot of people, you among them, uh, Jen Vervier, Jack Whitman, uh, Mike McGuire, some of those early uh, interviews uh, were were instrumental in getting this thing off the ground. Uh, I also need to thank Lydia McWhorter, who does the graphic images. She's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, and, you know, Veronica, Veronica Sarabriakova, uh, in what I kind of joke as the uh, the Copenhagen office, uh, who kind of runs the LinkedIn and Facebook stuff. Uh, but but there, there's a lot of things that have gone into getting this podcast off the ground. And, and uh, the idea for it really started when I moved to Colorado. And uh, we got out there and I got a new car. And for the first time, I was able to plug my phone into the car and listen to podcasts. And, and so, I, you know, I'd listened. I'd had a half hour drive to work and a half hour back. And, and uh, so it was a, it was a good time. It was a, that was a good time frame, And I think that's a, that, that commute kind of mirrors what a lot of people experience, whether they're on a bus or, uh, or, or driving. And, uh, so I started looking around for a water podcast and I really didn't find anything that, that kind of met what I wanted to, to listen to. And so, uh, I, I sat back and I thought, you know what, I know enough people in the water industry. I can, I can get this thing off the ground. Uh, so I put together a little business plan, uh, shipped it around to a couple of people, got a lot of comments, feedback from folks. Um, and, you know, then I just, you know, I, I kind of assembled all the equipment that I would need to do this and kind of learned on my own and and uh, convinced some suckers like you to come on and, and be guests. And, and now we're at episode 102. So here we are. But uh, that's kind of the background on how the, the podcast actually came into being. I want to know, given how many different people you've interviewed, who has been your most memorable interviewee and why? Well, um, that there, there's a lot of folks that have left big impressions on me. And I, I, would, I couldn't essentially pinpoint one person. But, you know, obviously uh, the first couple – uh, you know, you, Jen, Jack, we're all, we're all fantastic coming on. Um, I, I think the ones that have been the most memorable are the ones where I've learned the most. Uh, and one of the early ones that sticks out in my mind was with, uh, Ellen Wool, uh, who's a, uh, geomorphologist up at Colorado, Colorado state university. And she talked about her concept of leaky rivers. And I, <clears throat> that was, that was new to me. And I thought, uh, I, I just learned so much in that about, about really about water quality and keeping water at, at those headwaters long enough to, uh, you know, for, you know, if us, if, if 
the if a creek or something like that or a stream headwater stream gets dammed up and stops the water from coming you know downstream for a little bit that's actually a really good thing for the environment it helps with water quality uh it helps in a number of different ways because you're not channelizing those streams and just essentially getting rid of the water you're you're keeping the water in the environment and that 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 one was an early one that stuck out in my mind um you know there there have been so many fantastic people along the way that have that have come on uh Steve Maxwell and and how he uh, had this vision of uh you know w- water becoming a larger factor of production where companies are now really looking at uh you know looking because water historically has been so cheap that you know they they just went wherever and and they just figured it out but uh Water is becoming more and more uh, a, a factor of production that companies are taking into account in terms of where they're going to locate. They have water quality and water quantity concerns. Uh, and so I think that has, uh, I think, become even more in the forefront uh, since that interview with with Steve. Uh, George Hawkins was obviously another uh, big get you know, to come on the podcast, he was fantastic. And he's such a down to earth guy and has such great lessons that you can learn. I mean, so those are just a couple of the ones that stuck out in my mind, but I, I know probably people think it sounds corny, but I really, I really do learn something from every single guest. Um, and there are some guests I learn more from just because I, that's not my area of, of, you know, where I spend most of my time. So on the, on the kind of the pure, utility side of things i'll i might learn a little less but uh, i still learn something every single time and that's that's been a, a very valuable for me and it's it's been something that i've been able to uh, to to utilize in my law practice so i mean it's been it's been fantastic uh uh getting all this experience and kind of getting access to these these great minds out there imagine that an attorney getting free advice <laughs> Well, I agree with you. I mean, Steve Maxwell, great individual. Uh, uh, you know, um, uh, George. You know, uh, George. Great people. Anytime you you hear from them, read an article from them, uh, you learn something. Doesn't matter uh, what it is. Um, what my next question is: You've interviewed all these folks. They're all wonderful folks. Um, they're all very uh, well regarded um, in the water sector. And who would you like to interview that you haven't yet been able to interview? Well, that's a long list. I, uh, uh, there's a couple topics that I'd like to explore more. And, and I've been in this, this um, period now for the last couple of episodes where the, the request for topics has uh, outpaced, you know, kind of the the, the topics that I've wanted to get to. And so I, and sometimes I haven't just been able to find the right person. Like I've, I, uh, there's a, a, an individual out there named Josh and I use Josh's name because Josh has actually, he's gone public with it and tweeted at me, uh, that he wants a certain topic. And, and so I've, I'm trying to get that topic lined up and I've been doing so for a couple of months now and it's just taking me longer. So Josh, I apologize that I haven't gotten that topic lined up, but it's a long way of saying that, that, um, there, there's a lot of folks out there that I think would be great interviews. Jay Famiglietti, I think, would be really interesting, especially with his recent piece uh, about, uh, you know, how there – I mean, he pretty much said – he was in Cleveland the other week, and he said, you know what, there's going to be a pipeline from the Great Lakes or to Phoenix. 
And so I'd, I'd really like to, uh, to get Jay on and, and talk about all the great work he has done. Cause I think he's one of the, the great minds out there in the water industry. Um, you know, Peter Glick, I think would be interesting. He's, he's obviously taken a lot of stands and I've actually had an interview request for him. I just haven't been able to get him on. Um, and so those are, those are two individuals I think that would be really good. I'd, I'd like to get, um, a, you know, some more folks from the Northeast, uh, and understand kind of what their, uh, water issues are up in the Northeast. I want to have, uh, someone who can talk about, uh, Supreme court water cases. Cause there's a lot of stuff going on in the Supreme court. You know, there's Georgia, Florida, there's New Mexico, Texas. There's just a lot going on. That's, that's going to be big. Uh, here very soon. And so I've got, I've got some more ideas. It's just a matter of finding the right individual because, you know, you got to have someone who's not going to take a nap during the, during the interview. So um, it's, it's a matter of getting the right folks. I know that Pat Mulroy would enjoy uh, a podcast on having a pipeline from the Great Lakes. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, and, And she's another one who I, you're right. And she's another one I'd love to have on. And I've, I've, I've had her on as part, she was on a panel that I moderated. And so, um, I've, I've, I've had her on, it was kind of, it was last year. And so I just, uh, wanted to leave a little more time. So I kind of wouldn't have her on quite so quickly after, after she was on that panel, but she'd be another fantastic individual to have on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I look forward to seeing all those podcasts uh, here. Yeah, so you're committed to uh, interviewing all those types of folks uh, in the near future. My next question is, uh, I think you've already answered this, but let me, let me ask this one. Uh, what is, um, what's the most interesting thing, if there is one thing, what's the most interesting thing you have learned from all of your different uh, uh, interviewees? Uh, well, yeah, and I, I, I think – you know, you know, there are certain topics that have interested me. Like, for example, I gave the Ellen Wool uh, example earlier. That was back in uh, that was number seven. That was episode seven. But I think, um, I think the thing that I've as I've pieced together all these interviews and done all this stuff, I think the thing I've learned uh, is that all these issues are interconnected, and no matter how how much experience or how smart you are, it's really hard to get someone who knows a lot about all of the areas that, that water touches. And so um, you, you really need to have a team of people that you can, you can rely on for various areas of expertise. I, you, you know, and, and that's really important as an attorney because you got to know what you know and you got to know what you don't know. Uh, otherwise you're going to be, you're, you're not going to be doing your clients a service. And so I think that, that is one of the most important lessons that's really been driven home during all this is that, uh, you know, there, there are lots of folks like to, like to put on kind of an eminence front that they know it all, but it, it's impossible to do that. And I think that's really the, the, the core lesson that I've been able to, to pull away from all these, these discussions with these great people. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Dave. I think that that's kind of a hallmark of leadership, which is something that I think uh, you've seen throughout your, your uh, interviews. Um, building a team of people who know a lot about a lot of different things because uh, you can't know everything. Yeah, uh, I think I think you're spot on there. Um, let's move into a particular topic. Um, I am interested in your take on the issue of water supply. It seems that 
no matter where you go, there's always some sort of discussion panel paper on water supply. And it's probably not going to go away. Um, we've seen some changes in California, but what, from your interviews, do you think is the most compelling solution, uh, if there is one, for addressing water supply challenges? Yeah, and I, this is another, this is, this will mirror kind of my, uh, my big takeaway is that I don't think there's one silver bullet out there. I think it's, it's going to be a combination of things, but, um, I think it's got to be some form of reuse in combination with conservation uh, because the, the resource is finite. And as the, the population grows, we're going to need uh, to become more efficient uh, in our use of the water. And that naturally leads to reuse uh, and to conservation. And so that's, that's kind of where I think it needs to go. Um, and, and what's going to drive us there, I think, is the price of water, you know, because water historically, you know, I said this earlier, it's been so cheap that I don't think we've, we've kind of used it as efficiently as we otherwise might have. Um, and as the price of water increase, as the value of water increases, uh, I think that's going to drive us towards these, these solutions for reuse uh, and even greater conservation. And, and that's, that's kind of my thumbnail on how I, I view uh, dealing with source of supply challenges. Um, yeah. You know, so again, no, so no silver, no silver bullet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you've also hit on the issue of non-revenue water in the past as, as part of that mix of solutions. R right. And I think I, I kind of put that almost into a conservation bucket because um that's not demand side conservation. That's more supply side conservation, right? You know, so uh, uh, that gets into the utility, making sure that it's not allowing water to escape from its its system before it goes through kind of the cash register, or the meter, um, you know, to its to its customers. Those are all good thoughts. Those are all good thoughts, and I know the people listening are are in different stages of their. Um, uh, I guess, uh, life cycle of looking at supply issues uh, over the short and long term. Uh, I am very interested personally and professionally in technology and innovation, Dave, as you know. And, and what, from your conversations, is the most innovative technology or other item that you've been able to explore in your interviews? You know, there's lots of great technology out there. I think um... – uh, when I was at uh, Global Water Intelligence a few years ago, Trevor Hill, who, who regularly speaks at those conferences, um, and he was, he was a guest back on uh, one of my, I think it was podcast 67 maybe, but he, he's, he's got this great, you know, thought, you know, he, he kind of says water is heavy, um, and because the, because water is kind of a slow payback or it needs patient capital, there's lots of these great technologies out there that die on the vine because they just don't have the scale. They don't fund up, you know, utilities are, uh, by and large, they are conservative investors. They don't, you know, they're, they're dealing with a public health issue and they don't want to just go and make rash changes to the system that could endanger public health, which I, I, I understand that completely. Um, but I, I, I kind of see, um, the technology, I think the where we're going to see the, the greatest leaps and bounds for improving 
uh, utility service and infrastructure uh, is is kind of making a smart water grid uh, so that uh, utilities can more easily find those leaks uh, so that, um, you know, we can, we can engineer our systems more efficiently uh, if, if you're on the wastewater side so that you can divert flows. If there's a blockage, you know, you can, you can divert flows various ways uh, in order to get them ultimately to the treatment plant. You don't have, have backups. Uh, so I think there's just a lot of, a lot of great things in, in harnessing the data uh, that these smart systems can, can develop for us. Uh, you know, there's all, there's a lot of great technologies. I've had Peter Yalos on um, from Smartwater, and I've, I've had Rob Barnett on from uh, Drip Counter, uh, Drop Counter. And um, those are great technologies to get people and customers engaged. Uh, but but I, I think really the, uh, the use of technology by utilities to manage its infrastructure and manage uh, the resource are going to be the greatest uh, technology innovations. I, and I, I kind of also would put up into that um, kind of resource recovery and, and efficiency and, uh, and, and that kind of feeds, feeds back in. So, you know, you're seeing a lot of combined heat and power at wastewater treatment plants, and I, I'm a big proponent of that. Um, yeah. And so I think that, and, and, you know, there's, there's been all these resource recovery things about uh, if you have enough, if you have enough effluent, you know, you can pull out certain metals and other things from the waste stream that, that actually have a value. And so I think, I think we can maximize uh, the, the value we get out of these waste streams, you know, one man's trash, trash is another man's treasure. And so I think there's a, there's a lot of that that can be harnessed as well. But, but if you ask me to choose one, I'd, I'd say that smart grid for water is, is the yeah. one I'd, I'd, I'd go with. Yeah, and that has a lot of dimensions. I, I know our, our good friend Charles Fishman wrote a, a brief piece on on uh, you know big data and water. Yeah, uh, not too long ago, and I think uh, you and I have talked about how moving data into knowledge and pivoting from being very corrective and reactive to being more predictive and preventative when it comes to the level of service that water utilities provide their customers, and how a smart utility can help us uh, make that transition. Yes. I, and I can't believe I forgot to mention Charles Fishman is one of my great guys. I, I've, I always love talking. I always love talking to him. He's, he's fantastic. He's, he was texting me saying, Hey, you haven't met him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, we'll get him some tasty cakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me, let me ask you another question. Um, you have been involved in the public private partnership type of discussion that that has, um, that ebbs and flows in our, in our culture. And, how do you see the world of P3s evolving over the next five years? Uh, I think it's going to be, I, I think P3s are going to play a big role. I, I, I don't see, I don't think you're going to see these, these gargantuan black box uh, deals where, where a, P, a P3 partner kind of takes over a municipal or other government system and just runs it. Um, I, I, I just think that the, that, uh, that model is kind of fraught with a lot of uh, uh, issues, and I, when I when I say they run it, they run it in, on some sort of concession where the municipality or the government agency still owns the assets, and and the private operator comes in and runs them. I, that's what I that's what I mean by by that type of model. I think I think um, th- that there's just so many problematic issues that can arise from that model that I, I don't see that happening, but I do see 
a lot more, and this goes back to kind of one of my other themes of partnerships. You know, you, uh, the, the public water agencies can, can harness a lot of knowledge by having the smaller P3 type agreements, um, that, you know, that can, can leverage, uh, expertise in certain areas of utility operations, you know, whether it's billing, whether it is, you know, field work, whether there's, so there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different, uh, aspects of that, that the municipal agencies can, can harness from the private sector. Uh, on the flip side, I also see, uh, the need for private capital coming into, uh, water systems because, you know, one of the, one of the big issues with, um, with water and wastewater utilities are, kind of the reluctance to raise rates by, by publicly owned water systems, uh, because, you know, there were the, 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 the politicians are worried about their constituents viewing that as a, a tax or, um, just seeing that as, you know, a, a, an increasing government burden that they're, that's put upon them. And so I, I think that, uh, the more and more there are going to be opportunities, uh, for, um, for pri- the private sector to get into the water system uh, business by actually buying the systems. Uh, and I think that kind of takes the politics out of it. Uh, the other thing I think that can, that can assist with is overcoming some of the political uh, barriers uh, because we have a very fragmented water, uh, water system. There's just an inordinate number of water utilities out there. And in order to gain some scale and, and get economies of scale working, I think we need to have some combinations. Uh, and if all the utilities are government owned, that's a really hard thing to do. Um, I'm actually, I've, I'm actually representing, um, a company right now or a, a municipality right now that's looking at selling its utility and all the neighboring municipalities or a number of the neighboring municipalities are served by the same private water provider. And so they're looking at selling to, uh, to that private water provider and, you know, it, it, that's one of those situations where it makes sense because it it's, would allow for greater economies of scale. It'll allow them to bring in some expertise to, to work on some problems that they're having within the system. And it's, it's going to allow for an ultimately an integrated water utility system where they're going to experience a lot of benefits. Um, and so those are just some of the, some of the things that I think uh, we're going to see in, in the P3 because if a utility, if a municipal utility sells its system to a private operator, um, I mean, I, I've, I view that as a P3 arrangement because they're they're granting uh, the the private operator essentially the they're selling the assets to them and allowing them to operate within their political boundaries. So that's that's just another form of P3 agreement. Yeah, yeah, those are great thoughts. In that discussion of, of P3 is the notion of aging infrastructure. One of the things that we haven't really completely addressed yet in the water sector is not just the aging physical infrastructure, the leaking pipes, the old meters, the hydrants, but what about our aging workforce? And what thoughts do you have on identifying and resolving this challenge uh, within the water sector? Yeah, on on aging workforce, that's a tough one to that's a tough nut to crack. I think 
um, I think we're going to have to rely on a combination of things. I think we're going to have to uh, do a better job, maybe pay better wages um, to attract people into the profession. Um, I think we're going to have to turn to robotics. I think we're going to have to turn to automation um, to satisfy part of those needs. Um, you know, I've had, I've had clients talk to me about uh, water treatment operator shortages and, you know, it's, it's just a really difficult problem for them to solve because they're so, they're so hard to come by. Um, and they have problems incentivizing, uh, those because they're in a collective bargaining agreement and they can't pay them. They can't offer them any additional monetary incentives. And so it's a real, it's just a, it's just a tough nut to crack in order to get that. And, and I think that automation could solve a portion of that problem. Uh, it, and you know, we, we need a regulatory environment uh, that recognizes these issues and can uh, can allow utilities some flexibility in how to staff up and and what all what all you need a human to do and what you what what can be done by a robot, um, and so that's I, I and I think we have to do a better job, kind of getting younger people, uh, and I'm talking all the way down to like elementary school, getting get them taking those kids on tours to the wastewater treatment plant into the water treatment plant, get them get them seeing that there are opportunities out there, and because most most people. They really, you know, when you when you turn on the faucet or flush the toilet, they have no clue where it goes. They, they it goes into pipes somewhere. Um, but I think it's important to get those yeah. those folks understanding what opportunities are out there. Um, yeah. And so that's that's kind of what I I, I think yeah. it's going to be a combination of of uh, those types of things, automation and and just some hard work, uh, getting people interested in the profession. Yeah, yeah. Those are good thoughts. Um, one that I think this issue is one that will continue to be on the minds of, of utility leaders and other professionals in the years to come. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Well, I mean, it's, it's there. It, it's, um, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I know that Mr. Renner uh, uh, from the Water Research Foundation, I think, has issued some reports over the past few years that has raised this issue and has put it on uh, the radar of, of water professionals and it's going to be uh, a, a very uh, important discussion as uh, the years go forward and people begin to retire. How do we how do we address that? Right. Good thoughts. One final question, uh, Dave. We have a new administration. I hope most people realize that. <laughs> and um, one of the things that this new administration has discussed is a trillion dollar infrastructure plan. And infrastructure means a lot of things to a lot of people. And often you and I see that water is left out of that discussion. When people talk about infrastructure, they're talking about highways and bridges and the like. And sometimes they forget to mention water and wastewater. Um, what do you think is the one thing the new administration can do to help us in the water sector? Well, I, I think um, we need to have more we need to shine a brighter light on the water and wastewater section. I, I think that too often we in the, in the water sector uh, don't stand up and, you know, take credit for all the, all the great things that our water utility professionals do. Um, and I think we need to, I think we need to be a little more, uh, we, we need to, to get that attention um, more than we, possibly have in, in the past. And I think by doing that, I think we need, we need to have 
uh, state revolving funds continue to be funded through the EPA. I think we need to uh, have opportunities for, uh, you know, P3 arrangements uh, and how private capital can get into uh, the water and wastewater sector. Um, you know, whether that is, it has some component of tax reform, you know, for, uh, you know, are you going to get some sort of tax incentive for investing in water or wastewater infrastructure? Um, you know, it, I think this can take a lot of different forms. The, the The federal government has a lot of policies that they can deploy here. So I, I think it's continuing to make capital available. I think it there could be some uh, component of tax reform that gets into this. I, I, those are the those are the two ones. I think they're probably the ones that most folks can can you know pull out of the air as well. Um, but that's just kind of how I'm I'm kind of looking at that that issue. I don't know if you have a, a you know additional thoughts on that as uh, as you've been in the water industry now for a long time too, and are probably seeing um, perhaps more than I am from from your new perch down there in in North Carolina. You know, one other thing, I th- as, now that I'm thinking about this also, I, I, I think creative rate structures can, can offer a lot as well. Um, I know that not every state has the ability to offer, uh, you know, low-income assistance or lifeline-type rates. Uh, Indiana, we have new legislation that will allow uh, low-income assistance-types rates for, and, and so uh, I think that's a big thing because cause if you look at affordability, that's one of the reasons people, you know, utilities don't want to raise rates because it's going to hurt those low-income folks the most. And I think that that if utilities have more flexibility in how their rates are designed, uh, they're not going to be as hesitant to raise rates and undertake those capital improvements that need to be undertaken. Because you know, I, I, one of your one of my favorite uh, uh, comments that you've ever made, Matt, is you know we got to get off the credit cards. And so I think the more you can, the more utility can kind of revenue fund its improvements, the better off that community is going to be in the long run. And, and so I think rate structure, I, I got to throw that in there as another, but that's not a federal policy, right? That's more, that's more, uh, that's more state. But I think that that is something that can really uh, have a, have a big impact on, on the development of infrastructure. Yeah, I think that's a good thought. Well, Dave, I want to I want to uh, thank you for your leadership uh, in the water world over the past few years. I want to thank you for creating the Water Values Podcast and giving all of us across uh, not just North America but across the world an opportunity to learn from some of the smartest people uh, in the water world uh, that that uh, we have to offer. Um, I want to I want to uh, give you all the encouragement in the world to continue uh, seeking out. Uh, uh, great minds to challenge us on all the issues that we need to address as water professionals. And I wish you all the best in, in, uh, in uh, all your future water values podcasts. And I look forward to you, you know, achieving the 
uh, podcast number 1,000, perhaps, in the near future. <laughs> uh, that, that may be uh, a lot of work, but I, I, I'm confident that you can get there. So um, thank you for being willing to be uh, a guest instead of a host and moderator today. Dave, and I, I, again, I wish you all the best, and I look forward to uh, hearing you again in the next Water Values podcast. Well, Matt, thank you very much. It's been great to be on. And, and uh, you know, you being the first guest and coming back uh, 101 episodes later to to, to kind of give me the treatment I gave you back then, I, I really appreciate it. And especially with you putting faith in me uh, to actually go public with, uh, with an interview like we did back uh, on TWV number 001. That's, I, I appreciate all the support that, that you've given me and that others in the water industry have given me. It's, it's great to hear you know, to get, to get, uh, the emails from people and to see what people post on Twitter and Facebook and all this stuff about, you know, what they like about it. Um, and to read the reviews, it's, uh, it's really heartwarming. So I, I want to thank everyone in the water industry for, uh, all that support. And, uh, I, I hope we can, can continue this because, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually, it's been quite a bit of fun. So thanks, Matt. to uh, take time out of your, your life to uh, help us move forward because, as we all know, water is life and it's very precious. And so, um, again, thank you, and we look forward to hearing from you in the very near future. Right. Thanks, Matt. Bye. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview by Matt of me. Matt did a great job. I, re- I really appreciate him coming on. It was his idea to come uh, and, and say, Hey, I should interview you for episode 100. And so, uh, I'm, I'm really happy that Matt was able to, uh, to make that happen, come on and do his work, his magic. Cause he is such a, uh, a big thinker. He's a very progressive guy for the water industry. Um, and he's just a, a, a fantastic person, Matt. I'm glad I know you. Thank you so much. Uh, you've done a tremendous amount for the water industry and will continue to do a tremendous amount for the water industry. So thanks again, Matt. I uh, really appreciate it, and uh, I'm very thankful that I know you. Uh, well, you know, as I kind of listened to the interview, uh, there are obviously places where I thought, you know, I should have answered this in, in a different way. I should have been more precise in my speaking on a certain point. Um, but that's just the breaks. That's how it goes sometimes. And uh, I'll have a time, I'm sure, in the future to clarify any of those things. One of the things on the uh, labor force issue, though, that I, I kind of thought about after the fact, as I was listening, was I think um, when when Matt asked me how we're going to solve the labor issue, I responded, well, I think it's going to be a combination of things. I think it's going to be, you know, educating people about opportunities in the workforce, paying a little better, and then automation taking, uh, you know, kind of filling in some gaps uh, where, where appropriate. And one of the other things I've kind of thought about since the interview, and uh, as it really drove it home um, when I was when I was kind of re-listening to the interview, and that was the opportunities there are to use our labor force more efficiently. Um, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know that I'm a big believer in consolidation. There are 52,000 or so public water systems out there, and uh, I, th- I am positive there are opportunities where for to consolidate and to save on, on labor. And it's not necessarily putting anyone out of a job. 
it's just if someone retires there that may I, that may actually cause some consolidation because you know so and so who's been at the plant forever is going to be retiring soon where are we going to find someone to to run the plant and that may who knows maybe that's going to uh, cause some some of the people who are in control of the plant to think about uh, selling it if they're going to have trouble finding labor uh, maybe consolidate with a neighboring system and gain some efficiencies there. Um, that's just that's just one aspect of all those answers I gave uh, that you know that that Matt had asked during the interview, where I thought you know this is something uh, that I wish I would have expounded on a little better. But in any event, I'd love to hear what you thought about the interview. What did I miss? What could I have answered better? Uh, would you have answered differently in any instance? Uh, if you have any any feedback you'd like to give, uh, leave it on the show notes. You can do that at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 102. Uh, you can tweet at me using the hashtag watervalues, and my handle is at DTM1993. Uh, you can also send me an email, david at thewatervalues.com. I uh, would love to hear from you. And then before I sign off for, for good on this episode 102, uh, again, I indicated it at the top of the uh, top of the show, but uh, would love to hear from you um, via ratings and reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, whatever podcast directory you listen on. I uh, would really appreciate that uh, just because it, it does so uh, mean so much in terms of helping people find the podcast. So uh, again, really appreciate that. And thank you so much if you've already left a rating and review. Well, in closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values Podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. Listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. Information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.